Hello, and welcome back to the What the Fork Sunland Preview Podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Sunland gave us all a huge boost on Saturday when we casually dispatched of promotion favourites Oxford, but there's absolutely no rest for the wicket. There's another team tip for the title. Visit the stadium light this Saturday. And to join us to discuss our game on Saturday is Jack from We Are The Posh. But first and foremost, Jack, how are you doing? Are you all right? Uh, Matt, yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. I'm uh, excited to come and have a chat about what for me is probably the standout game in League One this weekend. Yeah, absolutely would agree with you on that, but I am, I'm a slight bit biased, I must be honest, but I think I, even I might have a point with that bias in there. Um, I'm going to get it out of the way first and foremost, because I think it's probably something that a lot of Sunderland fans are interested in, and probably Peterborough fans as well, but it's not. It's hard not to start a conversation that's around the end of last season. Some Sunderland fans felt quite aggrieved at how the season ended. But of all the teams, in my opinion, that had affected most, and I've said this a few times, um, which was Peterborough, how does the posh fan base feel enough to be effectively, in my opinion, voted out of promotion last year? Yeah, yeah, I knew that one was coming. I knew I was going to get asked that. Um, it's hard not to feel a bit bitter, and watching Wickham in the Championship is, is difficult. I don't understand fully the whole mechanics and stuff behind it, but we moved out of the playoff places based on the points per game system. Um, given the chance, you know, the run we were on, we would beat in Rotherham, we'd beat in Wickham, we'd beat in Oxford, we'd beat in all the teams at the top of the league. Um, and I do think we, whether we'd have gone on and got automatic or whatever, I do think we would have challenged certainly for promotion. So yeah, it's a bit of a hard one, um, but you know, you've just got to sort of bounce back. There's nothing we can do about it now. Um, and we've got a lot of the players left at the club from last season who are obviously feeling slightly aggrieved and, and they want to go on this season and make it one to remember. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from a Sunderland fan's perspective, some people will agree, some people won't. And I don't think we really deserved to, to go up last season. I'm not, don't not say we didn't deserve the chance and I was happy with what happened, but um, there was a few Sunderland fans that found it relatively funny that Wickham got absolutely stuffed on Saturday. Um, is it quite the same with Peterborough fans? Do you kind of enjoy watching Wickham struggle immediately? Yeah, all, all I've got to do is, is scroll down my timeline on a Saturday and it's even if Posh win, it's it's mainly full of people laughing at Wickham who uh, I think they lost 5 to Blackburn, was it? They did. They did. Um, yeah, so, but at the end of the day, we've got to focus on our team and we? it is nice, to, not nice to see, but no one expected Wickham to go there and I do have to say, you know, fair play to them. That is an amazing achievement and it's hard not to feel jealous and it is going to be hard not to laugh at them throughout the season. But I think posh fans and like me included, we've just got to move on and maybe laugh at Wickham every now and then. But if we're not picking up results in League One, we can't really laugh at them not picking up results in the Championship. So it's important to focus on, focus on ourselves and, and maybe have a little laugh at Wickham on the side as well. Yeah, no, I, I echo those sentiments hugely. I think, I think it just sometimes you feel a little bit of karma because I find it, um, and I'll say this openly, uh, and apologies if I upset any Wickham fans, but but not really. Um, I find it, and you probably feel the same, quite hilarious that they couldn't afford to to end last season, but they could afford to start this one and and seem to be suffering a little bit. It's still left a bit of, a bit of a taste in the mouth, doesn't it? Do you think that's going to be a it's going to be a rivalry that that sticks with the Peterborough fans for quite a few years? That one. The thing is with Peterborough, we will try and form a rivalry with anyone that we can. Um, so the fact that this has happened with Wickham now, I, yeah, I imagine that there will be some sort of rivalry there. Um, I mean, hopefully they'll come down and we'll go up so we won't have to play them again anytime soon. But yeah, I said it is, it's a difficult one. Um, 
we feel hard done by and rightly so. And like you said, it's all the teams have voted not to play because they couldn't afford it. I think it was Blackpool who then went out and bought 12 players within a week of the season finishing. So it's a hard one. Obviously now there's sort of going to be an announcement today, isn't there, that yeah. no football fans for potentially six months. So how are clubs going to fare six months without fans when some clubs such as Wickham couldn't have afforded it for two months so it'll be interesting to see and I'm, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to see, sort of seeing the outcome of it but yeah I think Peterborough and Wickham now there's always going to be a little bit of feistiness there that certainly wasn't there before Yeah probably a little bit with Sunderland as well but we seem to have built up a few in League One like Portsmouth was a couple of years ago so we'll probably yeah. probably move on to someone else by the end of the season but on to this season and, and most important like I say moving on um, Sunderland won on, on uh, Saturday huge win in my opinion but you're two games in one really disappointing and surprising defeat at Accrington and then a hot stopping win against Fleetwood on Saturday so how different have the opening two games been? Oh, so I watched them both obviously we can't can't be in the, uh, the ground which is a shame but I watched them both on iFollow um, and truth be told, against Accrington, we just didn't create anything. Um, I don't think they played particularly well, but we just looked sluggish. Um, and considering sort of the value of, of our front three, um, you need to be sort of giving them the ball and creating chances. And, and first game, we didn't do it. They scored two cracking goals, to be fair to them. And they probably did deserve the win. Um, and then obviously going into the second game against Fleetwood, I think personally Fleetwood, obviously they got to the playoffs last season. Um, and I think they're going to be a, a promotion contender again this year. I think in Joey Barton, they've got a really top manager um, who is capable of taking them to that next level. Um, I say we were one nil down uh, going into the 90th minute, and I'm sort of sat there thinking that's three three games, including Carabao Cup, without a goal, and I'm thinking, what's happening to us? The season's over already. So to score two late goals uh, to win the game was obviously very exciting to see. But it's the kind of game that you want to be in the ground to see. That's the the best kind of win is a is a last minute win, isn't it? Yeah, especially when it's like that late as well. Um, one of the, the big things for me, looking at the, the game on Saturday for yourselves and, and obviously for us as well, it kind of felt like the first game of the season was very much a, oh no, here we go again. Whereas Saturday felt like, ah, right, okay, that's why we're promotion favourites. This is potentially the, the start of the season. Did the win and the way that you got it kind of make you feel like any negativity that came from the African games now being sort of moves out the way and you can move on, move forward and, and hopefully push up the league? Any sort of win is going to sort of make the whole club and that. It's going to give them a lift. Um, I think it's, a, it's early in the season, so it's important not to read too much into it. I think last season, uh, we lost our first three games in all competitions and, and then we bounced back. So, as I said, any win, especially against a team that you expect to be up there after losing to a team, which in no disrespect to Accrington, um, you expect to be sort of fighting at the bottom of the table. Yeah. Um, it's gonna it's gonna provide you with a boost, but I said it doesn't get um get, get any easier. We've played one uh, promotion rival and then a trip to the northeast at the weekends. Uh, I think probably the most difficult fixture on the list. So, be interesting to see how we deal with that. And yeah, like I said, if we get a win on Saturday, then our season's looking great. If we lose on Saturday, then suddenly the mood's negative again. Yeah, because then it becomes like. Two defeats in three, doesn't it? I mean, look at look at Oxford, who I, you know, I've said a few times, I tipped to win the to win the league. They've started the season with two defeats, um, so I suppose it's, it's a bit of a weird season. But after that, you've got a quite a decent run after that, after the Sunderland game. So, unfortunately for us, you do get a win. You've got Swindon, Northampton, and then Oxford at home. Um, are you, as a fan, looking at these next three games as sort of you can actually set a marker then? You'd like to think so. Obviously, Swindon came up 
uh, last season, but I believe they actually won League Two. Um, yeah. So obviously they're, they're a more than capable team. Um, they'll provide a difficult test, but it's the kind of game that on paper, if, if you want to achieve promotion, you've got to get three points in. Um, Northampton, they're one of our rivals. They are, I'd say, maybe aside from Cambridge, our biggest rival. Um, many Posh fans might disagree, but I'd, I think Cambridge are our biggest rival. But still, Northampton will be a difficult test. They always sort of up their game against Peterborough. Um, but we've got a good good record against them for sure. And we'll be looking to get three points there. And then you said about Oxford with their bad start to the season. Um, I mean, they haven't had an easy start. I don't think Lincoln always uh, a particularly easy fixture. And then losing at home to yourselves. But I think last time we played them was in March, just before the season was cut short and we, we dispatched them 4-0. So, ideally, if you're looking at the next the three games after the Sunderland game, seven to nine points is what you're aiming for. But like I said, it's early days. So, even if things don't go quite to plan, there's still plenty of time to, to repair them. Yeah. With the signings you brought in, obviously, there hasn't been that many. There has been standout ones. Obviously, you've got, I think it's pronounced correctly, Schmodix. And you've yeah. also got uh, Johnson Clark Harris that came in as well, obviously, to replace Ivan Tony. But there's not been a great deal of movement in terms of players being brought in. I think you've moved a couple of players up from the under-23s, potentially, but it's mainly been, I think, mm-hmm. about five signings. Um, are you quite content with just the kind of small additions because you kept, apart from Tony and Madison, the majority of players? I think personally, it's been our best uh, transfer window in, in seasons, and that might sound strange to many Peterborough fans after losing Ivan Tony. But year in, year out, obviously we change managers quite a lot, and we're used to sort of eleven to fifteen new faces coming through the door every summer. Yeah, um, which is obviously exciting to see new players. But I think our squad from the end of last season was settled, and we were on a good run of form. Um, we knew that Ivan Tony was going to be leaving the club in the summer. Even even the most optimistic Peterborough fan uh, was expecting to see him go. So that was something that they dealt with. And obviously we brought Johnson Clark Harris in as a replacement, like you said. And he scored some good goals last season for Bristol Rovers. And I think I think he scored one in the EFL uh, trophy for us against Burton. But he's yet to get a league goal. So hopefully he can get off the mark soon and sort of get firing. Whether or not he can replicate Tony's goals of last season remains to be seen. Uh, but the main one for me, Sammy Schmodix, when he got announced, because I think Portsmouth and Sunderland were both chasing him. Yeah. So to sign a player like that um, ahead of two of your promotion rivals was a massive thing for us. Um, I think he did say last year, uh, I think Darren Ferguson came out and said that Schmodix said he wouldn't go to another League One team. So when sort of we knew he was available for transfer, we were quite optimistic. And I think getting him in, he proved it with his late goal against Fleetwood at the weekend. Um I think that's probably the best bit of business we've had. Um, you said about sort of moving players up from the under-23s. We've also signed a few young players who the club have a lot of hope for and they're expecting to see in the first team this year. We've got a young lad from Barnet, a centre-back, um, who's 17, I think. And Darren McAntony, I know he obviously likes to big up his players to try and get a, uh, a big fee from them in a few years. But he sort of said that he thinks he's going to be his, his most expensive sale when the time comes. So, yeah, overall, I think it's been a really good... Really good transfer window. I, I think it's open for a few more weeks, isn't it? But I wouldn't expect anything from our side, maybe apart from a few people going out on loan. Um, and briefly, you also mentioned Madison. Um, I think the whole feeling as a club um, is that it's a positive thing that he's left. Yeah, he he was a, he was a top class player. Um, I think, and there's no denying that. But I think the team performed better without him. He's not so much of a team player. Um, I actually did a poll on my Twitter a few weeks ago because obviously he's not found a new club. 
asking if posh fans would want him back. And I think it was a resounding like 78% said no outright. So I think the fact that he's gone, I think Tony is a big loss, but hopefully Johnson Clark Harris can replace him. With them, Madison, I suppose I've got to touch on it. And I, I feel like Marcus Madison is discussed far too much by Sunderland fans um, because I, I, I'd like him on a free transfer. I was never, I never understood the clamour too much. But Marcus Madison obviously went on the hole in January. So you've been away with him for a while. And I think the statistics said right. that he, you were far better without him. But, but say Marcus Madison, you know, at the moment, is on a free transfer. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of Sunderland fans that clamour for his signing. What are the pros and negatives of Marcus Madison? Because if anyone, if, someone, if I'm going to ask anyone, it's a Peterborough fan would probably know the best. Well, I don't know if uh, every Peterborough fan would agree with me, but for me, he's a bit like Marmite. You either love him or hate him. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of uh, a lot of people on Twitter moaning about him. He's, he is very theatrical. He does like to throw himself down a little bit. Um, and if things aren't going his way, he will have a little bit of a strop and, and you won't get the best out of him. But when he is on form and when he is playing well, He's got one of the best left foots I've seen at this level. He's got a good set-piece ability. He's got the ability to go past a man. And just some of the goals, if you watch a goals compilation of Marcus Madison, more often than not, he scores bangers. Um, I said it's just his temperament's a little bit questionable. But for me, as a Peterborough fan, I would not want to see him go to Sunderland because I think he would cause trouble in League One. I wouldn't want to see him go to another League One team because I think he would still be one of the best players in League One. With Madison as a player, I, I don't know him as a man and I, I would never claim to, but there's always rumours that he's a, not off the rails, but he's a bit difficult to handle. Do you think him coming home to the North East would actually be quite a good move from because he'd maybe like settle down a bit and maybe concentrate on his football or, or make football his priority, should we say? Uh, in January, when um, he was sort of looking at other clubs in the Championship, and that, I think McCantley said um, Charlton had made a bid but he didn't want to move further south. He wanted to move back up north. Um, so I think he was at Gateshead, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. Before we signed him. So he wanted to move back up to the north. And he has said several times, sort of the northeast is where he sees himself living. Um, obviously, he went to Hull. Things didn't work out there for whatever reason. But I do think if you get him back into the north, the northeast of England, then he's back at home and he's back feeling comfortable. Then he might be, he might be able to sort of play his game and sort of focus on that and I think that I don't know sort of what the chances are of you signing him but I think it would be a a, a top tier signing for you if you were to get hold of him yeah are you surprised no one's picked him up just yet or do you think that's just the current climate I'm surprised well we don't know obviously if there's been any interest in him we don't know who, sort of who he's spoken to um, I think when he went to Hull it, he want, he made it clear he wanted championship football Mm-hmm. Um, and when he went to Hull, maybe he didn't he didn't show that he was capable of playing championship football. Um, I said maybe his temperament is holding him back. Um, but I'm surprised sort of League One clubs haven't been sniffing around him because he showed what he could do with Posh uh, in the first half of last season. And yeah, even though his sort of his temperament and the way he is and the way he acts can be questioned, um, I don't think there's any doubt in that he's a fantastic footballer at this level. Yeah. And I think that any League One team, I think he'd get into any League One team maybe apart from ours based on what's gone on, but I think the majority of League One teams should snap him up, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think there'll be a lot of Southern fans that agree with you on that. Um, looking at sort of the, your current team, I've been looking at the lineup for the, you know, your first two games. There's not mm-hmm. been a great deal of change, but one thing I have noticed, and that could be wrong with this, but it looks like there's a bit of a tweak to your setup and you've gone with three at the back. Was, was that being implemented last season or is that a new thing? 
Um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of controversy around our formation last season, so we went on a a little a little run at Christmas where we played the diamond in midfield, four back, and we lost about three or four games in a row. And uh, obviously, as fans do, people were calling for Ferguson's head. Um, he switched to a three back, and that was when our run started. We beat Wickham, we beat Rotherham, um, we beat Ipswich, we beat a lot of the teams that are at the top of the league. Um, and I think that's the way that Ferguson wants to play with the three at the back and then the wing backs um, getting forward. And I think that suits our style of play. And I think that's certainly what I hope will be our go-to formation this season. Obviously, it's nice to be a bit flexible and if things aren't working, maybe change it up. But looking at the personnel we've got, you have to start with that three back with the wing backs for me, probably 90% of games this season. And it looks very similar to, to sort of our setup in a way. Like we've been playing with O'Brien and, and a variation of Greg or, or Danny Graham or, or White up front. But I've noticed you've got uh, Nathan Thompson on like the right hand side. Do you do you yeah. use those back three as predominantly centre backs, or do you have the likes of Thompson, who's predominantly a right back when he was at um, Portsmouth, as someone who will bomb forward? Does he kind of join the attacks, or have you got like a flat back three that that stick as it is, or is it very much that modern back three? It chops and changes depending on, on the teams that we're playing. So even when we were playing Atkinson and we weren't performing, Nathan Thompson was stepping out into midfield. He's a very physical, because he's not the tallest, but he's a very, very physical player. Yeah. Um, and he was stepping out into midfield to win the ball, taking it forward. Um, Frankie Kent, who plays on the left-hand side, very, very good young centre-back. And he's also very capable of bringing the ball out of defence as well. Um, but if that happens, sort of, obviously our full-backs would either tuck in or our midfielders would drop back. I, I don't think we'd leave just one at the back. I do think at, at any point we would have a solid back three. But both of our wide centre-backs are very much sort of ball-playing centre-backs. So it's nice to have that and it's nice to sort of have the option to play out from the back. Um, but they can both also defend really well. So if, if we're up against it, they're more than capable of sitting in as a flat-back three for sure. Another player you brought in, obviously, is uh, Ryan Broom. How has he settled in so far? It's a difficult one. We haven't really seen much of him. Um, he started uh, the game against Fleetwood at the weekend, and to be fair, he did okay. Um, originally, we thought he was going to be brought in as as a number ten, um, mm -hmm. but then when we signed when we signed Sammy Schmodix, um, obviously everyone would assume Schmodix would be the first choice. But Broom played right wing back as well um, for Cheltenham a little bit last season, uh, and if I'm right, that's where he was deployed on Saturday. Um, we've got Joe Ward at right wing back at the moment, who I am a big fan of, but he didn't have his best game at Atkinson. So Ferguson brought Broom in and he fits the Peterborough philosophy. He's a young lad. He's an attacking player. He likes to get forwards. And, and that's exactly what Peterborough fans want to see at the club. And I think given the chance, he'll be a big hit with them. Talking about the, the Peterborough way and stuff like that, <laughs> A lot of Sunderland fans will probably be quite frustrated at how Peterborough... There'll be, there'll be two arguments. Peterborough failed to get promoted for the past few seasons. The other argument is the recruitment's superb at this level because you just replenish players. But we, as we said off-air beforehand, had Aaron McLean on the show and he said, you know, it's no surprise that you've got this big amount of strikers that have started really well at Peterborough and gone on to do like well further in their careers. So... I think we've already touched on it a little bit, but the big talking point of the summer was was Ivan Tony going, probably from a Peterborough perspective, from a neutral side anyway. You quickly mm -hmm. replaced him with, in my opinion, one of the better strikers in the league that a lot of Sunderland fans would like in Johnson Clark Harris. But because Peterborough seemed to get used to sort of bigging players up, getting a good sort of fee for them when they leave, does it make it a bit easier when you lose players like Ivan Tony because you've got confidence that you can just kind of almost replenish? Yeah, I wouldn't say it makes it easy. Obviously, we knew that Tony was going to leave 
in the summer, we knew that he was more than capable of making to the, making the step up to the Championship, if not the Premier League. So Peterborough fans had accepted that he was going to go, but that didn't make it easy. I, I've been following Posh for 10, 15 years now. And for me, he's the most complete striker I've seen at the club. I said, I'm sure many people will disagree with that, but losing him is a big loss as it would be to any team. But like you said, we've had Jack Marriott, we've had Dwight Gale, Craig McHale-Smith, even Aaron McLean to an extent, I think, moved on for a profit. And we do have a good track record with it. And we've, we've got another young lad in our youth setup, uh, Ricky J. Jones, who's only 17, 18. Mm-hmm. And he's already scoring goals for the first team. And I think McCann he said they'd rejected bids from Premier League clubs for him. So it's always nice to have them coming in. But at the same time, you want to be able to keep, these play- keep hold of these players. And no one wants to lose their best players. And if you can keep hold of these strikers, maybe for an extra season, I think there's been times where we've sold players too early. Connor Washington comes to mind, leaving to go to QPR a few seasons back. And especially when you sell them in January, it, it costs you your season. We were fourth in the league that year and we fell down to 10th once we lost him. So I think as long as you've got a replacement coming in, it does ease the, the pain of, of Ivan Tony leaving. Yeah, and like you said, in Johnson Clark Harris, he scored goals last season for Bristol Rovers. And I think he, he's, had, he's got a bit of a history with Posh, but that was when he was a lot younger. So I think all's forgiven now and hopefully he can sort of kick on. We had a, a Bristol, obviously we played Bristol Rovers first game of the season and, and the question was kind of the opposite about them dealing with the loss of Johnson Clark Harris, which he said um, he felt like he was very much it. You had to play it with strength and he had to be sort of the superstar. Um, I can't claim to have watched Ivan Tony and, and Johnson Clark Harris on a regular basis, but I've watched them enough to get an idea of what their style is. And they seem a little bit different. Like Johnson Clark Harris is more of a strong target man that can sort of score from a few different angles, whereas Ivan Tony at this level seemed a bit more pacey, a bit more complete. From what you've seen, and it's not very much, it's only two games, but would you say that he's kind of a direct replacement? Is he kind of fit into the style well, or is, it, is he changing how it is up front? I said it's a difficult one because, like I said, it has only been a few games. But Ivan Tony was a bit pacey and a bit more skillful. But he also had that. Obviously, I think Ivan Tony was six foot two, six foot three. He's quite a tall lad, so he also had that physicality about him. Yeah. Um, it is early days, but they they were both strong. Both of their hold up plays good. They're both good in the air. I think Tony maybe a little bit better, sort of with his feet, which might sort of slow down our attacking play slightly because we do like to sort of get quick balls in and in behind and that, but. From what I've seen for the first few games, there's not been a real change in the style of play. Um, Johnson Clark Harris hasn't quite replaced Tony in terms of his ability, but I think he fits into the style that we that we use, and I think that it will work with him um, and either Issa or Dembele, whoever Ferguson picks up from. Talking about Issa, he was obviously a player that um, Sunderland were also after a couple of seasons ago when we first got relegated, mm-hmm. and I think that's when he was at Cheltenham and then went to sort of Bristol City. Now he came obviously to Peterborough last season, and I think because of how well Ivan Tony did, almost his achievements got overshadowed. But he, he's a hellish handy player, isn't he? He's he's as good as you've got pretty much at the moment. I think he went under the radar last season. Um, he started off the season, I think, come December. Him and Tony were the two got top goal scorers in League yeah. One, um, and he did fade away a little bit towards the end of the season and, and the second half wasn't quite up to his standards but I think when you're paying sort of one plus million for a striker at this level you, you expected him to be a good player and I remember watching him at, at Cheltenham um, and we were interested in him that season that he left there as well uh, didn't manage to get hold of him but obviously we've got got him from Bristol City since then and I think he's got the, all the ability in the world to be the top goal scorer in, in League One this season 
Um, I think he's if he can find the back of the net and if he can play how we know he can, he's a cracking finisher. It's just whether his head's in the right place and whether he struggles a little bit sort of off the field and he just needs to be, if he's in the right place, he's a more than capable striker and he can lead us to, to promotion this season, I think, but it's just about getting him in the right place. You mentioned about um, Dembele as well. He's another player that I've been really impressed with, uh, Sariki Dembele. Um, but looking at the formation he's been playing with that three at the back, to, to me, you mentioned before he's playing up front, but he's more of a winger, isn't he? Originally, when we signed him, he was he was more of a winger, yeah. But towards the end of last season, when we got on sort of our good run and that, he was playing up front alongside Ivan Tony, um, which he was he's more than capable of doing. I think we don't really play with wingers in our preferred formation, so he's adjusted well and he is sort of an out and out winger. But I think he's more than capable as a striker, and and he proved that last season working with um, Tony and Schmodick. So hopefully. When he's back in the team, he missed the uh, the first week of the season because of um, COVID yeah, precautions and stuff like that. But he was back off the bench um, against Fleetwood and I think he changed the game. He looked really good when he came on. Um, and I'd be very, very surprised if he didn't start up front at the weekend. Do you think that we're more likely to see sort of uh, Dembele ahead of Isa on Saturday alongside Clark Harris? Or do you think he might even surprise us and go with Dembele and, and Isa? I think Dembele and Isa probably... I don't want to say that it wouldn't work as a as a partnership, but too similar. I think, yeah, they're quite similar players, and I think especially in League One, with the sort of the physicality of the defenders and the centre halves you've got, you've got to have some sort of physical player up front. Um, and I think if we started Iser and um, and Dembele, we might struggle with the physicality of, of Sunderland's centre half. So I think it's I think Johnson Clark Harris will be guaranteed to start personally, um, and then it's up to Fergie whether he chooses. Dembele or I. So personally, I would probably give the nod to Dembele um, if he's fully match fit. That is obviously missed the first game and I don't know sort of how many games he's played in pre-season, but he'd be my preferred choice for sure. Talking about um, the way that we talked about Peterborough, sort of your um, recruitment and, and the way that's working and Dara McCantney. And obviously last year I was really, really lucky to, to speak to Dara. And I'll openly admit I'm actually quite a big fan of Dara. I kind of like the way that he speaks. I think he's quite straightforward. I think there's no there's no bullshit there from what I can see. There's maybe a little bit mm-hmm. to drive a player's price up, but that's effectively his job and that's effectively his business. And I think I think he does a really good job. But but at Sunderland we've seen our chairman originally speak an awful lot in public, like almost too much. And it for a number of reasons, it completely backfired and, and now he's like nowhere to be seen. Whereas Dara has been quite open, honest and, and sort of speaks really openly and, and almost like a fan at points because I'm, I'm sure he is. Um, yeah. But it, it never has at any point really gone sour from the outside looking in. So so why do you think the kind of open and honest dialogue that Dara has works for Peterborough? I just think I think he's brilliant. I just want to say that just in case he does listen to this one. I think he's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. I, there's not a chairman in the world I'd have in instead of him. Um, he speaks the truth. Yeah. And some some fans may look at it and think, oh, being a bit of an idiot, being a bit rude. But he's straight up and that's what you need to be if you to get sort of run a football club. And he's honest with the fans. He doesn't hide anything from the fans. And I just think the fans appreciate it. And the majority of fans, especially ones that have supported the club for a long time, know how bad things were before McCantony sort of took charge. So a lot of fans do appreciate him and I think they respect his honesty and he, him and obviously we've got co-owners from, uh, from Canada now that help him out. Uh, it's not just him in charge. Um, and all three of them have been fantastic for the club. All three are on Twitter. Um, 
all three of them will interact with fans and tell you their feelings and how they feel the team's performed and that. And I just think that honesty is what you need from the top rather than the uh, the chairman hiding and sort of not taking any responsibility on their shoulders. Yeah, I think I think you, I 100% echo what you're saying. I think he's absolutely fantastic. I think, you know, for us, Stuart Donald, probably because a few things that he said weren't, I think other people didn't buy into it and necessarily didn't agree with it. I think it was true. Whereas I think with Dara, I think even if you disagree with what he says you can appreciate that what's coming out of his mouth is a hundred percent honesty but um i talked before now i've probably done him a disservice by saying he drives players prices up i think what i quite like about dora is he might say i want this much money for a player but he very rarely sells them for less like even i was surprised he didn't get about eight million for ivan tony because i thought he'd actually get what he wanted for that i think it was more the the climate that maybe knocked that down a little bit wasn't it yeah, obviously difficult times at the minute for uh, for everyone. I think when you've got a player that not wants to leave the football club, because I do believe that Ivan Tony did enjoy his time at Peterborough, mm-hmm. um, but he wanted more, and he he's obviously he deserves the chance to play in the championship. So when you've got a player that wants to pursue a move, it, it's hard to sort of knock those prices back, uh, knock those prices up, because obviously the club know that the player is interested in the move. So obviously that on um, the timings of everything did make it difficult. I don't know the full sum. I think it was five mil plus add-ons. You never know what those add-ons are. We could be due five million if Brentford got promoted to the Premier League this season. So I believe that everyone at Peterborough will have got the best deal that they can for Ivan Tony because he was he was a massive player for us and he was our biggest asset. So I think they'll have done what they can to to get a good fee. And I think McCantony will be happy with the business that we've done this summer for sure. Yeah, you certainly seem so via, via Twitter. Um, when you had the situation, going back to the, the Wickham situation, whilst we're on Dora, were you quite proud that he was kind of opening and honestly saying exactly what he thought about the situation with obviously the playoffs happening and, and Peterborough being booted out? Is it quite nice having someone that talked like a fan being on your side, essentially, and, and speaking not in the, maybe not the most professional terms, but the correct terms and saying what he actually thinks? Yeah, of course it is. It's nice to see that the chairman's as passionate as the supporters are. And yeah. I think that that helps the fans buy into his idea and Ferguson's idea of what we want for the football club. Um, when you've got a chairman that's as passionate as he is and that, it, it encourages you as well to be that sort of passionate. And um, he wasn't scared to say how he felt. And I think, I think rightly so. I think maybe if more uh, chairman and owners had come out and said how they felt, then the outcome may have been different. And you never know, we might have been in the championship now and Wickham might still be in League One. But... Things worked out the way they did, but yeah, it, it's great to have a manager who will say how he feels, and I don't think he will change for anyone. He's done interviews on on Sky Sports and stuff where they've been controversial, but he sticks to his guns and he is who he is, and I think he's absolutely fantastic for Peterborough United. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I think he's great, and he's he's a he's a from my interactions with him, a fantastic gentleman. To be honest with you, as only way I can sort of put would, it. Would you take him at Sunderland? Would you? I would probably take just about anyone something ahead of what we have at the minute. So 100%, yeah, yes. I don't if, he's, blame if he's got to spend 35 million down the side of his couch, he's more than welcome here. Um, <laughs> on the subject of Sunderland, I always find it supremely interesting who people view as our most dangerous players from the outside looking in because we see our key players and sometimes other people see it completely differently. Uh, which players concern you from the Sunderland team most about Peterborough, uh, facing Peterborough on Saturday? I wouldn't know where to start. You, you look just. I looked at your team sheet obviously before we came on here from from the Oxford game. I think Will Grigg was an unused substitute. Um, yeah. Whether or not whether or not he's performing as well as Will Grigg can, the fact that you've got 
Will Grigg sat on the subs bench not being used is this sort of it shows the talent that you've got in your team. Um, I tweeted out when Danny Graham joined you that I think he he'll be up there uh, in terms of top goal scorers in the league. Um, but probably the play, I'm quite glad. I think George Dobson suspended, isn't he? Yeah, if I'm right, he got sent off against Bristol Rovers. I think it's a three me, game. I could be wrong, but I think it's a three game. Yeah, yes. I think it was a straight red, so that would make sense for me. Um, he's a big loss for you. I've read con- as well that. That would be controversial for Sunderland fans because I openly admit I'm a big George Dobson fan, um, but I think I'm the only one. Everyone else seemingly can't stand George Dobson, but he's, he's still a young boy with a, a lot to give, but a lot of people are yeah. not big fans of him at all. I am, um, no. Well, everyone's going to, de- Sunderland players divide opinions, don't they? And like I said, Madison's sort of the same, but yeah. one player that I did read earlier that he might be out with a hamstring injury, one player that if he did play, I'd be very concerned about would be Max Power. Um, I've watched him for a good few years now and I think he's he's far too good for League One it, if he is injured for Saturday then that'll be a big big loss for you especially because I think the midfield will be key um, we've got a young lad Jack Taylor uh, who we signed from Barnet who is up there as well for me in midfielders in League One uh, Max Power would take that crown for me so if, if he's if he's not playing then that would be brilliant um, and, then, and I'm just naming every player in your team now but you look at your defence as well you said Oxford haven't started the season that well. Last year, they were uh, top goal scorers, if not up there uh, in League One last season. So to keep a clean sheet at Oxford, I know obviously home advantage isn't really a thing anymore. Um, to keep a clean sheet at Oxford shows that your defence is obviously more than capable as well. So I know you asked a specific player and I've just listed every position, but you, you do have quality it's all almost, the field. And... It's almost the reason that they sort of asked the question because it's like... I think a lot of the time we, I think I tipped us to finish eighth at the end of the season. And yet, when I've asked the question so far in, in these shows, there's a good three or four players that people seem to worry about. And it's sometimes refreshing from a, a Sunderland perspective to hear that we're actually not as bad as we think we are. So, no, we, we <laughs> absolutely appreciate that. I've got to be honest with you. Um, you talked about home advantage before, and it, it's not really a thing if we're honest with each other. It's um, the stadium like empty, I imagine, is incredibly different to what it's like when there's 35,000, 30,000 fans, you know, mm-hmm. really getting behind the team from a, what's likely to be a promotion clash. But do you, does that make you more confident going into Saturday or were you confident anyway? I wouldn't say confident was the word. I, I'm always optimistic with, uh, with Peter, but we could be playing Barcelona at the weekend and I'd be positive that we'd get a result. Obviously, some call it stupid, I call it optimistic. But I think no matter where you're playing Sunderland, it's going to be a difficult game whether you're playing them at home in front of fans, away in front of fans, it's always going to be a difficult game. Um, the fact that the fans aren't there, I guess it is a bonus. Um, I said I've never been to the stadium alike personally, um, but obviously I watched the uh, the Netflix documentaries. I'm so, sure so many people did. And even when the fans weren't doing, uh, even when the team, sorry, weren't doing well and you got relegated from the championship, you were still getting the fans in there and they were still making a noise and stuff like that. So playing behind closed doors, could benefit us um, in a way, but I think it, it, it's all to play for. I think it's 50-50 which way the game goes and it just depends which team starts the best, I think. If you get an early goal, then the whole the whole game changes. Yeah. What would be your prediction? Oh, well, I'd never bet against uh, my team losing. So, looking at the sort of our recent games against you and that, my, uh, my parents asked me before I came on what my prediction would be. So, I'm going to have to go with a score draw. Um, I can't say I'm confident enough to to come away with a victory from the stadium. I like, but you never know. I, maybe one one, two two. 
who knows? It's gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting game, and it's one of them that so I've never been to the stadium in my life. I'm gutted that I'm not gonna get the chance to again this season because it's the best stadium in League One without a shadow of doubt. I think, isn't it? So I'm biased, but yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saying that from the outside. It, I mean, Sunderland being in League One, I didn't think I'd ever thought that Posh would be playing Sunderland because you for all of my childhood you were a Premier League team. Um, so having Sunderland in League One it is a big thing and going to the stadium of life for posh fans is something that we haven't ever got to experience going to sort of stadiums like that apart from in cup games. So it's a shame that the uh, the fans aren't there but it's going to be a really good game and I'm really excited to watch it on iFollow. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. I always say don't enjoy your Saturday, but that's not a, a nasty thing. You you are playing us. That's only the way it is. And I'm sure you, the sentiments are echoed. But thanks very much for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me, mate. Been a pleasure. Not a problem.